0: You're listening to the Preaching Podcast of Central Baptist Church, led by Pastor Rick Bevins. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12, and uh, Of course, Palm Sunday is the day in which Jesus rode a colt into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, and they took palm branches and uh, laid them in his path. I'm going to pick this story up and just show you the story in the Old Testament that that teaches us about Palm Sunday and the rest of the uh, Passion week here, up to the crucifixion and uh, the death and burial of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible says in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months, it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto the, all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take them, every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish a mill of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly shall kill it in the evening. In verse 7, and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two sides of the post on the upper door of the post of the house, wherein the <clears throat> they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. And so we see this story, and I'm going uh, <clears> to <throat> stop here for just a second. And. Uh, Here is a illustration of Jesus, the Lamb of God, going to go into Jerusalem, and he's going to be pinned up in Jerusalem, and he's going to be tried to see if he is guilty or not guilty, to see if he is sinful or to see if he is sinless. It represents this Lamb that was taken on this tenth day of the first month of the Jewish calendar. And the household would take that lamb and they would pin it up. And they would watch it for five days to make sure there's no blemish in it. And this is the symbol of what Jesus did on Palm Sunday. He was announcing himself to Israel as the Lamb of God. That was going to be crucified and killed as the Passover lamb. The people of Israel didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They were expecting something completely different. As we look at this story, verse 12 in Exodus says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. So the Israelites, on the 14th day, and and I'm not gonna get into the 14th day, what day that is tonight, but they would sacrifice that lamb and they would take the blood and they'd take hyssop, which is a very common plant, anyone could find it. They would dip it in the blood and they'd sprinkle that blood over their doorpost. And when the death angel came and they saw the blood, he passed over that house a type of our salvation. When we take the blood of Christ and apply it to our life and the death angel comes and he sees that blood of Christ upon our life then he passes over us and we pass upon our death into the heavenly kingdom. This Palm Sunday remember was a type of of the Passover lamb being pinned up for five days and watched by the Jewish family. Jesus is going to march into, right into Jerusalem and there he will be tried. And Pilate will say, I find this man guiltless. There's nothing, no sin in this man. He's done nothing worthy of death. And yet the Israelites cried, crucify him, crucify him. And we're going to, with that introduction, I'm going to have you turn to John chapter 12, and I'm going to preach tonight on the Passover lamb or Palm Sunday. Father, I pray you be with me now. Let me again preach the truth. Lord, let not a lie be spoke out of this pulpit. And Lord, if a lie be spoken, Expose it so that we can cast it out and can see it and can throw it out from amongst us. Lord, there's not a person here that wants to be lied to. There's not a person that's listening on the Facebook live stream that wants to be lied to. We all want to know the truth, Lord, and only you can give us the truth. And that truth is going to come from your word. So, Lord, we pray now that the truth will be spoken tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know we're praying about the truth, we're talking about the truth. The Bible tells us in the book of John, we're, we're gonna be turned to here in just a moment, that there's only three truths that we find in the Bible. We find that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the truth. I find in the 17th chapter of John that the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit is true. And then I find the Bible says, sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. So, we have three truths in the Bible. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the Spirit of God, and we have the Word of God. Jesus says in John chapter 1 that He is the Word. And uh, so, Jesus and the Word and the Spirit are all three harmoniously the same, and they're all the truth. So tonight, we seek, we seek the Word of God to get to truth. John chapter 12, we find in verse number 12, on the next day, much people that were uh, come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, and they took branches of palm trees, and went forth to meet him and cried. Now notice what they cried. Hosanna, blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he found a young ass, sat there on, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on the ass's colt. I read over in Matthew chapter 21, a little of this same story, starting in verse number nine. Matthew chapter 21 And the Bible says in verse number 9, And the multitudes that went before that followed cried, saying, Now notice what they say. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were expecting the Son of David as the king of Jerusalem to come. That's what they were expecting. We read it in John Blessed is the King of Israel. We read it in Matthew. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But we hear nothing about the Lamb of God that's going to be slain. We pick this story up in Mark chapter 11. I'll give you just a second to get there. Mark chapter 11. In verse number 1. And the Bible says in verse number one, and when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples. And he saith unto them, go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied. Or in never man set, loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do you this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him and straightway he will send him hither. And they went on their way and they found the colt tied by the door without in a place where the two ways met and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, what do ye loosen the colt? And they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed cried, saying, now notice what they say, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Again, we see in the book of Mark, as Mark tells the story, that they were crying, looking for their king. They were expecting a king to come in, rebel against the Roman Empire, raise an army, and free them from the oppression of the Roman government. They were looking for a king. They were not looking for the Lamb of God. God had a better plan. This was His Lamb. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. He came this time as the Lamb of God. He came this first time as as the Passover Lamb that was going to be pinned up in Jerusalem for five days now and was going to be tried. And he's going to be found guiltless. No sin. And yet they would crucify him. I'll turn to Luke chapter 19 and we'll read this last version. This story is found in all four gospels. Luke chapter 19, verse 29, and it came to pass. When he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, into the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, wherein ye never met a, a never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. They cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even at the descent of the Mount of Olives, The whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes for the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee around and keep thee on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. They didn't understand the time Jesus was visiting them. They thought Each one of the Gospels prove it. They were looking for the king to raise an army, to establish his kingdom, and defeat the Roman army that was oppressing them and to free the nation of Israel. Jesus says, you don't understand. I had seen an editorial, and the editorial said this, Palm Sunday. Crowd got words right, but they got the meaning wrong. If you love irony, then Palm Sunday's for you. On this very Sunday, one week before the resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Day, Christians around the globe are remembering Jesus' short trip from Bethany to Jerusalem five days before his crucifixion. The Palm Sunday march, I've taken it twice. Jesus rode down Mount of Olives. He crossed the Kidron Valley and up the Temple Mount and into the temple itself. We now call it the Palm Sunday march. If you wanna go on a trip, With Brother Sharp, he'll take you on that march and he'll explain to you and show you from the start to the end and all the sites in between and the tombs of the kings that you pass and so on. We call it Palm Sunday because of what happened during that trip. That scene was set in my mind and probably in your mind if you were a young Christian going to Sunday school class. When you were 10 or 11, 8 or 9, somewhere, a teacher would would hold up a picture of Jesus riding on a bareback on a colt. And what caught the eye were all the other people. They looked happy. And they looked so happy as they worshipped Jesus. They lined both sides of the trail ahead of Him. You know... We live in an age when it seems like everyone, from politicians to pundits to preachers, they claim holy sanctions for personal agendas. You know, I have no personal agenda here. I just want to procreate to you the truth of what happened on that Palm Sunday. I can remember seeing the pictures when I was in Sunday school. The the faces of the people radiant, shining. Jesus' face radiant, shining with a glow around the top of his head like a halo. They laid palm branches. Palm branches were laid in front of a general coming back from war, it was a symbol of a military victory. They were announcing victory in advance. Our king has come. He's going to bring victory. The the words in Psalms 118 have echoed down through the generations. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. For centuries Christians have called this trip that Jesus made the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But you know, really to the contrary, it was a parade of pain for him because of what was gonna happen. Only Luke, out of the four gospels, only Luke records that Jesus wept when the journey ended. And the reason says you got it wrong. I didn't come down here to set up my kingdom yet. I'm the Passover lamb. I'm gonna die for your sins so that you can be saved. He said, if thou hadst known, they just didn't get it. Many people today just don't get it. They just don't get what Jesus did on this Palm Sunday. They don't understand that he wasn't coming in to be announced as a king, but he was coming in as the Passover lamb to be tried to see if he was worthy and sinless to die for you and to die for me. And he wept. He said, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day. You know, everyone has a day. When they have the opportunity to accept Christ as their Savior. Everyone has a day when the Holy Spirit comes to them. And the Holy Spirit touches their hearts. And opens their mind and their eyes. And they can see who Jesus is. And what he came for. And how he died for them. But just as easy as the eyes are open. The eyes can be closed. Because of a political agenda. Because of a religious agenda denomination because of a false story, a narrative they learned as a child, because of what some preacher may have preached without seeking out the truth of the scriptures, making the proper applications. No, they didn't know what would bring them peace. And I asked the question, how could all those people be so nearly right and yet so completely wrong? On the surface, this view from the Sunday school pictures for children that we see, Palm Sunday seems so wonderful. A smiling, cheering throng of people lining the road as Jesus journeys to Jerusalem. They shout words that we know to be true. Hosanna, blessed he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And that's our Savior. That they're talking about. They're just about 2,000 years too early. We know that he not only comes in the name of the Lord, but he's Lord indeed. We know that. We know that he's not only the king of Israel, but he's the king of all creation. We know that. And we wish we could have been there. No doubt, I know that I would like to have been there to join that happy crowd and just to get a glimpse of Jesus in his human form. But those palm leaves soon gave way to the bitter, ironic truth. The crowd that had cut them down and laid them in the road to smooth pass, they might as well have thrown stones at his colt. For all the good they did him in five days those same people were yelling crucify him crucify him the palm branches signaled their expectation of a military victory that didn't occur here they were captive in their own homeland foreign soldiers ordered and organized their society The boot of Rome pressed their necks and these people came out to cheer for Jesus, the miracle working prophet from Nazareth, because they wanted him to overthrow their oppressors. They were looking for human happiness. What they wanted was just to be happy. They no doubt expected Jesus to lead an uprising of military and political liberation, not to lay his life down as a spiritual sacrifice for the Romans as well as for the Jews. They didn't see that this was the Passover lamb being pinned up on the first day for five days of inspection because they didn't make application to the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 12. We make many of the same mistakes as we read our Bible. We make it say what we want it to say rather than making it say what God wants it to say. The Palm Sunday crowd loved Jesus. Listen to me carefully because this is what people do today. The Palm Sunday crowd loved Jesus for what they expected him to be, not for what he was. that love evaporated between sunday morning and when he rode into jerusalem and thursday when he was crucified when the roman and jewish leaders collaborated to to, to try to try him for treason and they hung him on an old roman, roman cross even his hand picked followers who had spent three years watching him perform miracles and listened to him teach. They fled in fear. You know, vanity tends to up to judge them very harshly. That's just human nature. We know the rest of the story. They didn't. We spend, we're 2,000 years into the future. We've got the New Testament in front of us now. They didn't have it. But they couldn't make the application to the Old Testament story in Exodus chapter 12 that this was the Lamb of God as John the Baptist introduced him to the people of Israel. They couldn't make that connection that this was the Passover Lamb marching into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday to be pinned up and tried. Yes, he died on a Roman cross later that week. Some say on Wednesday. Some say on Friday. I say on Thursday. Don't get me into that right now. You can get me on that later this week. But I do know this. Whether he died on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, he arose from the grave the following Sunday and defeated death and that's what he came for. He fulfilled Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb to the T. He was pinned up on Sunday, the 10th, on Monday the 11th, Tuesday the 12th, Wednesday the 13th, and on Thursday the 14th, they killed the Passover lamb at evening time, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus died at evening time, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the 14th of Nisan. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we see the Passover lamb, fulfilled completely in Exodus chapter 12. And we do. We condemn their hard-heartedness, their spiritual blindness, and we can't understand why they couldn't get it. You know, oddly though, not all that much has changed in 2,000 years. People still love Jesus for what they want him to do for them, not for who he was. People still love Jesus for what they want him to do for them, and not necessarily for what his heavenly father sent him to earth to do. which was to die a horrible death on a cross, be buried and rise again on the third day to show that he had power over death for your sins and for mine. You know, and like the crowd who lined the road from. Bethany to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, we are also tempted to succumb to our selfish desires. We want to turn Jesus into a national mascot, a denominational totem pole, a personal genie. I like to say this, a cosmic houseboy. We want a Jesus that we can ring the bell And he said, you rang, and we say, Jesus, I need this. Mm -hmm. And he gives it to you. Mm -hmm. And like they did so long ago, we still project our desire upon God's will and then proclaim it to be the truth. We do that we read a scripture in the bible <clears throat> and we'll take it and we'll find a commentary and we'll go to different commentaries till finally we find a commentary that matches what we wanted to say and then we proclaim it as truth rather than reading the bible and not understanding it and getting on your Knees and your face before God Almighty and say, Lord, I don't understand this. My mind is not capable of understanding it. I'm just a human. I need the Spirit of God to teach me. Take your scripture and teach me what this says. And then wait until the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God teach you what that means. Sometimes that answer comes instantaneously. Sometimes it comes in days, sometimes in weeks, sometimes in months, sometimes in years. I can remember the Lord waking me up here just last year, three o'clock in the middle of the night, like he does a lot of times. Usually between two and three o'clock, he wakes me up and teaches me something. Not every night, but a good majority of the nights. And that night, he woke me up and said, here's your answer. And my question was from 30 years ago. And he showed me the answer. Amen. I wasn't ready for it. I could have got a commentary. I could have found a commentary and make that commentary and what I read the truth. But the problem is, it wasn't the truth. Put it this way. How often have you heard someone claim to know the absolute will of the Lord? And that will of the Lord just happened to be what was in the best interest of them. How about this? What if someone said, well, I know the absolute direct will of the Lord, but you know what? That's in the worst possible thing that I want to do, that's not my best interest. That may run true to human nature, but it runs counter to the Spirit of Christ. And yet we live in an age when everyone from politicians to preachers claim holy sanctions For personal agendas you know I've given my testimony why I preached you've heard it many times but since we're on the airways and someone might be out there listening and doesn't understand why I preach let me give you my story very quickly I was sitting in church down at Blackhawk Bible Baptist Church. Now it's Lighthouse Baptist Church on 44th Street and Blackhawk Road in Rock Island. The Lord had been dealing with me about preaching. I didn't want to preach. I was plain did not want to preach. I've heard how people talk about preachers. Most people don't talk very kind about preachers. Maybe now you know who I was running around with. The type of people that I was rubbing elbows with. I didn't want to be a preacher. The Lord wanted me to be a preacher. It was a Sunday night. And the Lord was dealing with me. Invitation about surrendering to be a preacher. I was in my early 30s. Sitting at this end of the pew was a man named Ed Hanley. We've been praying for Ed to get saved. His family had gotten saved and we've been praying for him to get saved. Mm-hmm. I've known Ed since I was a little boy. He was older than me and, and I just knew Ed Hanley would never get saved. And so I told the Lord as I was squeezing on the, that pew, I said, Lord, if, if you want me to preach, then I know, I laid that fleece out there, I know that you want me to preach if Ed Hanley gets saved. I no longer got that prayer, silent prayer out to God. By the way, you're responsible for your silent prayers, ask Hannah. Ed Hanley gets up, walks down the aisle, and I, my mouth is just dropped open. He takes the preacher's hand, and it was like he was on a megaphone, said, I want to get saved. And the preacher said to the lay people in the audience, Ed Hanley has come forward to get saved. So I slipped out of this end of the pew, went forward, got down on my knees at the altar, and told the Lord, okay, I don't know much about preaching. I laid another fleece out there. I said, but if you want me to preach, I promise you, I make this promise to you. If someone asks me to preach, I will preach. Got up, going back, feeling pretty snug that no one's going to ever ask me to preach. Seriously, you know, no one's ever going to ask me to preach. No one knew what I went forward for. I'm just not going to tell anyone. Church got over. We went back and we were in the vestibule talking. And this man named Gene, he comes up to me. He'd been going to our church for about three months. I didn't know a whole lot about him. I knew he worked down at the shop, and that's all really I knew. And Gene Gardner, and he was a kind of a, a real uh, uh, redneck type shop worker, rough around the edges, so to speak, but uh, he walked up to me and said, you know, I've been going down to the Rock Island County Jail and preaching every Monday night, and they just changed my shift. I have to go to second shift. I can't go tomorrow night. Would you wanna go? I said, yeah, I guess so. And I started preaching at the Rock County Jail every Monday night. I made the promise to God that if someone asked me to preach, I'd preach. I'm afraid to break that promise. And people keep asking me to preach. I wish they had stopped, but they don't. So I just keep preaching. I made another promise to God because I didn't know the Bible all that good. I didn't know it nearly as good as I thought I did once I started preaching. You know, Before you start writing sermons every week, you think you know a lot about the Bible, but about the third sermon, you realize you don't know nothing about the Bible. So I made a promise to God. I said, Lord, if you will teach me something, I promise you I'll teach it to someone else. And I've kept that promise and the Lord teaches me and I teach other people. And that's another promise that I'm afraid to break because if I break that, I'm afraid the Lord will quit teaching me. You know, and there's some hard things that he teaches that people don't like to hear. Correct. One of them may be this Palm Sunday sermon because we've got this in our mind of what was happening on that Palm Sunday. When actually, he wasn't coming in to be the king of Israel. He was coming in to be the Passover lamb. This Palm Sunday, we need to remember the crowd that lined Jesus' path, no doubt. We need to remember the palm branches. And we need to allow those palm branches to remind us how little that crowd understood Jesus' mission on that first appearance. We need to remember how wrong they were. And we need to remember how wrong we can be. And we need to remember how they turned on him five days later and yelled, crucify him, crucify him. We need to remember why he came the first time. And we need to remember to have faith that he's coming back. Then will those palm branches be spread. You see, the crowd's going to miss him the second time, too. The first time, they expected him to come as a king and destroy the Roman Empire and the oppressors of Israel and to set up his earthly kingdom in Jerusalem. But he came in peace. This time, the world thinking he's coming in peace. But he's not coming in peace. He's going to be on a white horse with an army. And they're going to get it wrong. And they're going to miss it. Revelation chapter 9, verse 9. I'm just about done tonight. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude with no man could number. Of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Talk about that Lamb sitting on the throne just for a moment back up in your Bibles from Revelations chapter seven to Revelations chapter five. Verse 6, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, this is a vision that John has in heaven. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. You see, when we get to heaven, people, I don't think they realize this, but when we get to heaven, we're going to have a perfect body. Your belly's not going to be too big. Your nose is going to be just the right size. Your ears is going to make your face, compliment your face. Your eyes are going to be beautiful. Men, you're going to be muscular. Have a six-pack, the right kind of six-pack. Ladies, you're going to be gorgeous. Everyone in heaven, except for one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. It says here he's going to look like a lamb that was slain. You read in the book of Isaiah and it says that he was beaten before he was hung on that cross. He was beaten like no man's ever been beat before and like no man will ever be beaten after him. His visage didn't even look like a human being as he hung on that cross. And that's the appearance he's going to take into eternity for you and for me. The scars of the sins of the people. I don't know, but I can imagine that I'll look at him and I'll probably see my scar. It'll probably be prominent, stick out more than any other. And I understand what he did for me. That's why he came the first time. I read in Revelation chapter 19, verse number 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with vesture or dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Now, I don't like to ride horses. I, I just, I'm not a horse person. But I'm going to be a horse person in heaven. I want to be on one of those white horses. And his armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fiercest of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's his second appearing. And the people's going to miss it. And the Antichrist is going to come in peace before the Lord comes. And guess who they're going to accept? He's going to deceive them. And to believe in He's the real deal. Just like Judas Iscariot, his protege deceived the disciples the other apostles into believing that he was a real apostle so will the antichrist deceive the people that are left we'll be gone we're not going to be here but false christianity is going to be here and the antichrist is going to deceive them because they're looking for Jesus to come in peace. I'll finish with these verses and we'll be done. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night and the which heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt in fervent heat and the earth also and the works that therein shall be burned up. The psalmist writes, how are they brought into desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. Job said the triumph and the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment Paul writes in the first Thessalonians for when they shall say peace and safety then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape the book of revelation says standing afar off for the fear of her torment saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Paul says in Second Thessalonians, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Palm Sunday, they missed it. They missed why he came. Let's not miss it. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Central Baptist Church. May God bless you as you serve him this week.